You care for the girl, don't you? Uh, more than anything. Well, then, you must tell her. Voila! Oh, you look so... so... Stupid. Not quite the word I was looking for. And welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library, the show where we watch awesome Disney movies, the animated ones, specifically the ones from the Animation Studio ones. Can I put more qualifiers here? I'm Jeff, and across from me, again, for the third week in a row, yes. third week, yes. TC is still here. Uh, welcome, TC. Good morning, Bill. Where are you off to this morning? Ah, uh, the bookshop. Because your name is Jeff Bell. Uh, guys, I think that's why I like Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we well, we Jeff, broke into code. We broke into code. What are we doing today? Well, what? today, guys, gals, this is it, this folks. Is it. I mean, we've this is, reached this is momentous. This is momentous yeah. for me in so many ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've reached the thirtieth movie, which in itself is an importance. Right. Dis- thirty. The Disney's thirtieth animated feature. Mm-hmm. Also, we've finally hit the movie I have yet to shut up about yep, in the last yep. twenty-nine episodes. Beauty and the Beast. Will it live up to the hype? That's what uh, I Well, you know, there is... 1991, yep. Beauty and the Beast. And Jeff, of all the movies we've watched you! so far... where do you... Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what I was just going do to do. Yeah, I beat you to it. I beat you to it. <laughs> I hate you so much. Ooh, ooh, I was going... Mm, mm, that was the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I hate you I so you much. I don't know why. Maybe I sensed that you were gonna do it. It's that it's that being in the same room vibe we got. Where we I, just read each other's minds. I was li- I finished watching the movie last night. I was lying in bed and I'm like, I'm gonna start the show off by just asking TZ where he ranks the movie. No, I beat you to it. Well, this week's episode is only going to be three minutes long so, as I wrap up my feelings and we just move on. So, If this is the first time you're listening to an episode of Top Shelf Disney's and just Top Shelf Disney, yes. um, then uh, you, will, you will be made aware right now as I'm saying it, as the words come out of my mouth, we have been watching these movies in a set sets of 10. Yep. This is our third set, so we've now watched 30 films, as Jeff mentioned. Which is crazy. And we rank them 1 through 10 in each, each grouping. Um, and because this is the last, we'll, we'll do a little recap, so... Uh, for those listening, be, be prepared for probably a little longer episode than we're used to. Uh, we have a lot to talk about um, in terms of Beauty and the Beast alone. Guys, I didn't have to actually watch this movie. <laughs> I watched the movie. He did. He did watch it, yeah. And I took copious amounts of notes, actually. Yeah. I, Way more than I even anticipated taking. <laughs> oddly, I took almost the least amount of notes I've, I've taken on any of these. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you, I know you've seen this a million times. I, I've seen this movie a million times, but we, we talked off air. I think we talked off air. We might have even mentioned at the end of last week's episode mm-hmm. the idea that I, I challenged myself to watch this movie from the frame of mind of having just watched the 29 before it. Like, I'm watching it differently than I normally would. I know this movie by heart. I know the songs. I don't even have to watch it. I know exactly what's happening on camera Mm -hmm. every single second of this film, but I watched it from a more critical point of view, from a technical point of view, and like a story, and just kind of, I watched it from a, does, is this the natural evolution for where Disney was going, like, well, yeah, is this is this next? Like, hey, let's look at the animation. How has the animation improved since mm-hmm. we last seen, or you know, from like the last ten movies? And so, it, I definitely did watch it that way, which I think is why I took so many notes. That that is good. Yes, that it's been it's been a good number of years since I've watched this, and this begs a question right off the gate. 
Which version did you watch? So I sought out to watch the theatrical version. Okay. That's what I had. That's what I had intended on watching. Yes. Um, I did, however, end up watching the special edition, which has the song Home, or, uh, uh, "Human Again." Human Again. Yes. Uh, which comes right after the um, uh, "Something There" song when they're playing out in the snow. That wasn't there before. Right, and then it ends right before Beast is getting ready in the bathtub, which, for those of you listening who know the movie, is where the quote from the beginning of this episode came from. Yes. So, <laughs> Human Again ends right before that sequence takes place. So the last time I watched this, when I did my my viewing of all these Disney movies, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, uh, I watched this that version, the Human Again version. Okay. And when that scene came up, I had no idea that they had <laughs> added this. Yep. So I'm sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden this new scene starts, and I'm going... The, what, what is this? And then this song starts. I'm like, what the heck is this? I watched it with Candace, uh, and she was like, what? This is, that's the only version she had ever seen. Oh, wow. She okay. had never seen the original version, which, okay. which I had on VHS. I didn't, I don't remember seeing this in theaters. I was, I would have been pretty, pretty young. Yeah, I did not see it in theaters, but I remember being out in theaters. Yeah. So this, this, uh, human again starting. I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> but since we're talking about human again, I right, do want right. to, because again, watching this with a more technical, my, my technical glasses on, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was actually very impressed with how well it, it actually blends pretty dang well into the rest of the movie. Like yeah. you, you, it was, I mean, they did it for the, what, 2001 or 2003 edition of the movie. It, like it's not a recent edition, but it was still 10 years after and, the ad, the CG animated films were starting to really take off, and mm-hmm. and it was very impressive that they were able to kind of they were able to capture the same animation style, and obviously they had all the voices because it was a it was a sequence that the original actors had voiced, I believe. Yes, yeah, they they ran out of time to animate it, right? So it was cut from the film. So it's but it was I thought I I. Again, it's, as it's being seamless. a Beauty and the Beast first, like I, you can't if you didn't know that was an added scene, you would just be like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, this is the movie, <laughs> this is part of the movie. Though I will say this, I do not care for the song because it's four songs in a very short amount of time. I'm glad you you feel that way because I do not like this. Yeah, addition. It's song. too much. Yeah. Like like it's great that we get to hear like okay, it's a song for all of the. Not inhumans, that's not the right term, but in, all of the, the, the inanimate objects. The inanimate objects, and it's great to know that they're the excited. Inanimate objects, I suppose, because they are. They inanimate. are moving. <laughs> oh my goodness, so does that mean they're just objects? What is life? What is life? This is what today's episode is going to be. Scrap Beauty and the Beast. So it's a song for them. It's a song for them, and it's great to hear like they're happy about it, and it's it's a nice kind of... It's a nice song, but in the scheme of the movie, for the flow of the film... We just got done with two songs. We're thrown into a third one. Mm-hmm. And then within two minutes, it's Beauty and the Beast yeah, of them know. ballroom dancing again. It's like, oh, just slow down. Hold on. Wait. And then it's a long gap before there's another song. And I think that's worth mentioning in terms of the time frame of this film, mm-hmm. which there, there are some comments about this. Mm-hmm. There's obviously lots of over-analyses of how long the movie takes place, how old some of the characters might be, how old oh, they yes. probably should be. Um, this movie has... This is the most Broadway film we've watched yet in this library. Oh, yeah. As much as Little Mermaid played up the the, the Renaissance-era musicality, the, music, the, the stylings we're familiar with still when you look at Frozen and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, this feels like 
an animated stage production. Yeah. The tra- the translation of this or the transition from this to the stage had to be one of the simplest transitions that <laughs> anyone has ever had to do. It's like, well, we just had to write like two more songs. Yeah. All right, cool. Just Good. use the script, guys. Here we go. <laughs> Action. Now, uh, Mencken and Ashman have ha- came from Broadway, so right. it was they wrote it to that that effect. It was this movie was they said make it more Broadway. Mm-hmm. The 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 higher ups. I'll get to Katzenberg later, but <laughs> TC r- will have his Katzenberg <laughs> minute later on. <laughs> get, 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 make it more, more theatrical, more mm-hmm. like a Broadway production, and this is definitely feels that way um, because it's such a, it clips along at such a pace. It's it's an hour and a half. So mm-hmm. so the special edition version is an hour and tw- is an hour and thirty one, I believe. It's like an extra seven minutes. Yeah, because of Human Again and just a couple extra little bits and pieces around it. Because before Human Again, there's a scene with them at the bottom of the staircase, with like a little two minute scene. So it's five minutes long, two minute scene, like seven minutes longer. Yeah. But it's so so it's one of the longer films we've watched. It's not. I don't think it's the longest, but it's. I mean. Little Mermaid was still only an hour and 17, mm-hmm. you know, and that was two movies ago, and uh, Rescuers was only like an hour 15. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So we're hitting an hour and a half. We hit a 90-minute animated this, film. This is a full-length feature film right here. <laughs> but does this movie, this movie just, and that was one of my notes I noticed, this movie just books it. Yeah. There, we're, we're in a scene for maybe three minutes, and then we're on to the next scene. You know, if you think about it, it's the it's the opening monologue, it's Belle's song in the in this in the village, an extra scene with her and Gaston, boom, and then we're back into the house, and then boom, Maurice is out, and then Maurice gets gets in the beast, and then Belle it's, gets it's like it's it's moving. There's stuff happening it's constantly. Almost too fast. Yeah. Sitting there watching it watching it, I, I felt I was like, wow, this is hardly anything has a moment to settle. Yeah. And for good or bill for good or ill, um, when I can look at something like Little Mermaid Part of your world settles. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are moments that that there's just just that little breath of, of settling, and Beauty and the Beast just flies. Right. Bell gets her. Well, Bell gets her song in the beginning, and then there's a, there's that immediate scene with her and Gaston, yeah, yeah. and then the moment she leaves the scene, then it's Gaston and and uh, LeFou. Yeah. Like, and then the moment their scene is done, it's Bell back at the house. Like, it's, it's there's nothing stopping. It's still. Well constructed. Everything has a cause and effect here. It's the difference between and then, and then, and then, and therefore, because, therefore, because. And this, everything that happens in this movie, the dominoes fall logically. Mm -hmm. This happens because of this. And and that's a a good credit to to the script itself. Because this, it is fast, it is a tight script, and it's it's a very well-developed script. Which, why wouldn't it be? They've been trying to make this since the 30s. (laughs) Yes. This was like, in... Disney had his original list of the animated films he wanted to set out to do, which included Snow White and Cinderella. This was on that list. Since the 30s, they've been trying to make this movie. Which is one of those, so that one of the th- things I realized while while watching the opening, like the opening prologue, and then you get the songs, and then even going as, as far as Belle acknowledging the fact that there are fairy tales in the world, because she's obviously, a, she's, a, she's a reader, and she talks about Prince Charming in the opening song, and, and uh, the, the one later on with... Uh, uh, like the lovers in disguise and all this stuff. It's yeah, very yeah. much so that she knows she she exists in a world where fairy tales are things. They are books that she reads. The movie feels more like to me, and with it being the thirtieth animated film that they have, it feels more to me like it is a homage to the movies that came before it. Mm-hmm. It's not in itself a Disney fairy tale story. Granted, yes, it is, but it's not 
another Cinderella. It's not another Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. It, it, it feels to me like Die Another Day <laughs> did to the Bond movies. The, you know, the 20th well, Bond movie did to the Bond films. Yeah. That it, uh, is what Beauty and the Beast kind of is, except Beauty and the Beast did it better. It's not... Like now, and ten years earlier. <laughs> right, right now, when we get when we get meta references in something like Frozen, like mm-hmm. you fell in love with a guy in a first day, right? That's a very clear reference to the history of the Disney Library, right? Where that's very upfront. This is an homage in a very loving way. This, oh yes, this, yeah, and and I, I agree with you that this this does have that sort of uh, oh that homage effect that. Uh, it's paying tribute, even going so far as deliberately reusing the animation of Sleeping Beauty, Dancing with Prince Charming right. for the end of this one. Um, there's even some Fantasia animation used in this, mm-hmm. with the uh, the napkins being the flowers yep. from... <laughs> and you could argue, no, yeah, yeah well, and, um, the, and obviously Bambi's mother shows up in the beginning, yep. in that opening push-in shot of Beast's castle, it's Bambi's mom is, <laughs> is drinking by the water, which means Bambi's mom... For a, for, a, for a character who died very early in the film, she has appeared in so many other films. I think she is giving um, Hugh Jackman a run for his money in most times a character can appear. Can appear one, one, in, I, grant, I guess Bond is probably got the record. Uh, but that's recast. Doesn't matter. Uh, that's this true. is the same animated same actress. Same animated actress, which is a deer. Uh, <laughs> a deer. A female uh, deer. So, <laughs> so let, let, me, let me jump on this right away. Okay. The let's... We discussed the speed. We discussed the tightness of the script. We've discussed. Let's take a moment to acknowledge this discussion people have had more than a few times. You can find multiple theories and, and discussions about the fact that if ten years they've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting. Thank you. And he's going to be turning twenty-one. Yep. That means this enchantress cursed. An 11-year-old boy. Right. A 10, 10, 11-year-old boy. I'm sorry. How, you know, no matter how smart or how well you were raised, you made dumb mistakes when you were 11 years old. Plus, he's just a a kid. A woman comes up and says, let me in, little boy. I'll give you a flower. Stranger danger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing. They never said that he's turning 21. The prologue says, by his 21st year, which semantically means... You could interpret to mean the 21st year as the beast. Okay. Not his 21st birthday. Okay. It does not specifically say his 21st year of age or his 21st birthday. It says his, by, if he does not fall in love by his 21st year, you could interpret that to mean he spent 21 years as the beast. Okay. But then would that not, would that not break uh, Lumiere's line in the song? That about ten, that we've ten been years, 10 years of rusting. Rusting, needing so much more. Well, that, that, yes, it could. Or, if I could further my, oh, yes, my evidence do. here, is that perhaps he, young Prince Adam, the, the beast, tried his best for 10 years and, and finally gave up and said, I don't want, I'm done, I'm done, I give up, I'm going to die like this, this is it, this is my thing. And then, for another decade, that's when they need, they weren't even being used anymore. Okay. So... It's, obviously, this is all up for interpretation. That's, that's a very fascinating approach to it, though. I, I, I've, I, I've never considered that that line of, of his 21st year meant 24, 21 years of being the beast, mm-hmm. not 21 years of age. 
And if I may go even further, let's just get to a theory right away. Okay. I'm going to throw, I'm gonna throw this. Go ahead. I know we usually save these for the end. Hey, but you because... asked me where this movie ranked in the first three <laughs> minutes of the film. Or all over the place. Order is out the windows. So I found this on Reddit. This is, this is a fun theory. Okay. Particularly for us being the fans that we are of certain mm-hmm. things. Uh, a little town full of little people. There goes the baker with his tray, like always. The same old bread and loaves to sell. Is it a Truman Show? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> literally the same bread and rolls to sell. So they're stuck in time? It's a time loop. Ooh. That Belle and Maurice moved to this village since we came to this poor provincial town. They're not from this village. And why wouldn't this village of people remember this king? Right. This prince that went missing. If the village was also part of the curse, that this is some sort of of out-of-time loop situation, Belle and Maurice are disrupting the time, the time flow here. <laughs> Anyone listening to this for the first time is like, "This is not what I thought the conversation." Holy was Holy crap! Be about. That's a freaking awesome idea. Yeah, because so then that and that that little that little um, uh, continuity error or loophole or whatever uh, of how does the village not know? That's something that okay, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring it up a little bit. The live action remake <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast. They yeah. did try to fix that. They did, yes. By making it be that the spell that got cast on the castle and the beast also affected the surrounding area mm-hmm. by putting it in like an invisible bubble and making everybody forget, forget about yeah. that it even existed. So, but it's fascinating to think that that one line, which... I doubt this is what they were intending. They, they did not. We are reaching, <laughs> reaching, reaching here. This is, this but it's, is a, what, it's a great interpretation. This it. is what happens. You can really tell how culturally significant a film is mm-hmm. by how much conversation is still being had about it after the fact. Right? The Dark Knight is the greatest comic book movie of all time, just strictly based on the fact that people can't stop theorizing about it and talking about it. That's a conversation for a different podcast. Yeah. But... The fact that there are so many theories about being the beast, the fact 26 that 26 years later. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that, sh- that proves the importance of this film uh, in the pop cultural zeitgeist, that it's right. something that continues to be part of the conversa- part of a conversation. Uh, so, yeah, so I, want, I, I know I kind of tangented way over into the conversation that we probably weren't even going to have to. No, later, but, but that's fascinating. Yeah. That's a lot better than my theory. So <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can save that for later. I'll save my theory for later. I do have a brief theory that to bring up. Mine is not nearly as fun as TC's yeah, were. It's a time loop. It's I, a, and not even like a daily time loop, but maybe like a weekly time loop. So that way they don't even realize it. So really, Belle lives in Puxatawney, PA. She is. She she's is. Well, think of how she moves through that. She's dodging the water without she knows looking. Everything. She knows where everything's going to happen. Good God, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is Groundhog's Day. Oh, Hashtag man. Beauty and the Beast is Groundhog's Day. Hashtag Kuala. <laughs> Let's talk about Belle. Okay. So we definitively have our smartest Disney princess to date. Mm-hmm. She's 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 very literate, she's very well learned, she's read every book. Like she's she's the smartest smartest character we've had so she far. She knows what she wants. She yeah. doesn't want to settle for Gaston. Gaston. Yeah. Uh, she, which oh yeah, I do want to come back to the idea of what this movie would have been like had it been made 50 years prior. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. But keep going. Uh, so so Belle herself is one of the for one, in one respect, we'll get to the other part. Everyone out there right now is like, talk about Stockholm Syndrome. We'll get to that. But in respects to her, the introduction of her character, her, her, her desires, she's a smart chick. She's a smart girl. She's, yeah. she's a very good example of 
a, a role model in that respect. She right. wants what she wants. She's not going to settle. She dreams of so much more than the life she has. She wants to, you know, that's that's a, she's a neat character. I know that you're a big fan of hers. So. I do. Uh, and that has nothing to do with the fact that she's totally my type. You know, brunette and animated. <laughs> and smart. Uh, oh, and smart. And yeah, French. that's too. And French. Even though she doesn't speak with a French accent, it's fun. She could just say only she's Lemire French. Only Lemire talks in the French accent. Not that's true, more. which is strange. She's the only character in the entire film that speaks with a French accent. Just, just use the movie logic like we're in a TARDIS and it just interprets the French for us. Not the only French. The Feather Duster. Oh, that's right. <laughs> because she does say ooh la la. Ooh la la. <laughs> oh no. Oh yes. So um So so Belle, she's she's uh she's the smartest. I love her introduction. That's this is one of the best uses of expositional mm-hmm. music in in the movies we've seen so far. So much so that it doesn't even feel like exposition. Correct. Because it's just a fun song, but then you really you quickly realize like, oh, because in that song, she reveals that she that this is the life she leads. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really want to be here anymore. She recognizes this how this town is just goes about their business every single day. She introduced, they introduced the concept that the town thinks she's weird mm-hmm. and that she doesn't fit in. She doesn't belong. You get Gaston's introduction in the same song mm-hmm. and his sidekicks introduction. You get his motivation as to what he wants to do yeah. and you get their confrontation between the two of them. It, it works so well. You could almost remove the opening prologue. Yeah. Though the opening prologue is quite neat that it's beautifully animated it's much better than opening up a book. It's much better than a lot of the prologues we've seen up I to this point. I love the stained glass thing. Yeah. That's uh, so cool. It's, it's, it's a wonderful way of setting up this is the once upon a time information you need. Beast is cursed for this reason. Find true love. Uh, it's beauty is skin deep. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. And uh, actually, that's another credit to Belle. She has no idea what Prince Adam looks like. She only knows him as the Beast. She almost has an opportunity to see what he looks like when she goes to put the painting up, right. she stops. And the only thing she can see in that painting is his eyes, which in the end is, is how she is able to connect with him. His yep. beautiful his beautiful baby blue eyes, which is... sorry. The I'm, rest of him I'm, not so attractive looking. I'm sorry. He's like <laughs> hey, a weird Ken doll. He's uh, a, <laughs> oh, you mean uh, when you finally see what <laughs> yes. Adam looks like? <laughs> also, it's really lucky that Adam was the same size... As he was in human form, as he was as the beast. I don't think he was because well, those clothes should have been just magic. Jeff falling off magic. Of him. Jeff, I refuse to believe in magic. <laughs> his his blue eyes. It's this is great. To, this is such a simple technique. Mm-hmm. Bell's the only one who wears blue in the whole movie, except Beast, and the blue of his eyes is matched to her color palette. So it's very subconscious, very simple technique. Oh yeah, that they design even. Even going so, uh, with another technique, Gaston is the only one in true blood red. There's right. other reds in the movie for sure, but, but he's, they're muted yeah. or they're off. They're off reds. Yeah, he's even, the only even one. Even the apples bright. are not the red of Gaston. Red has is to Gaston, blue is to to Beauty and Beast, and that's that's a really neat neat technique there. But I I really like Belle as a character. She's she's more she's smarter. She's more adult than. Ariel, if we're comparing mm-hmm. to the more recent princess, uh, and then of course I will the Stockholm syndrome that she's captured by this guy and falls in love with him, right? And this is part of the how closely should you analyze something, right? And how much should you just take it for its face value? So I will, I do want to say that since we're talking about that, I'm going to show, I, I want to share the theory that I oh, stumbled sir, across online because it does kind of connect into this. Okay, but the theory is is that. 
Beast is actually a representation of somebody suffering from depression, mm-hmm. which some of you out there might be listening to it going, well, no, duh, because he's going to be stuck as a beast the rest of his life and no one's going to love him because he's ugly. But there is a, there's a couple of people online that have noted that he does show a lot of the same symptoms. The fact that he's a recluse, that he doesn't, he has no self-confidence in himself, you know, mm-hmm. no self-confidence in himself is implied. <laughs> uh, he's got no self-confidence that he just wants to be left alone and he doesn't, you know, he, he thinks of other people's goods, but he never thinks of himself, mm-hmm. which is why he like lets Bell go, even though it ultimately sacrifices his own happiness in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that there's, there's definitely uh, an article. I, I found an article. I will link the article on the ghost tap page. Okay. Um, I won't do it on the Facebook page just cause we don't need more depressing stuff on Facebook, but it will be on the ghost tap page for this episode. Well, that's interesting to, to, to consider that, to, to look at beast and consider him for a depression angle and mm-hmm. storytelling is that's more interesting than harping on the Stockholm syndrome situation that Belle goes through, which she clearly does. She clearly does. It is a textbook case of it, but to be honest, though I just praised Belle, I think the best character in this movie is Gaston. (laughs) Because he's the most developed character. I I can tell you so much more about Gaston than I can tell you about Beauty or Beast. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm not thinking hard enough, but Gaston, there is... There's so much to this character for his one note as he can come off to be. His one note is very developed. Right. I mean, you because you learn everything about him. You know who he is. He is very, he is very not um, not set in his ways. But he knows what he's want, what he wants out of life. Yeah. He wants Belle because he's the he's. I deserve her. I deserve her. What are you talking about? Like this is not even. Don't something I we should, deserve the best? We uh, we don't need to have a question about who I am and who I am inside. I know exactly who I am inside. I'm not saying he's a good guy. Oh no, he's not good at I'm all. I'm saying he's a great character. And along those lines, do you think? I, I feel like in older Disney movies, Gaston would have been the Prince Charming. Well, yeah, of course. Right? If you, if uh, I mean, plug to my own show. That's what Sandstone is for the Princess. Knight. Oh yes, he's he's. He's what is going on here? I'm supposed to be the hero right. here, right? I'm the one that yeah, I'm the one that's supposed to get the woman at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm the hunter, I'm the strong one, I'm the muscular one. I have to slay the beast or slay the dragon or slay yeah. the bad guy. Like, <laughs> think about this. I feel like in Gaston's head, mm-hmm. he is portraying the part of the hero yeah, he's not in the movie. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. He's but, just, this is my script. Is your script different? Why is your script different than my script? I'm how supposed do I to not get the girl at the end yeah. here? <laughs> how do I die at the end of this no one gave me those pages what is this about he's, he's one of the best villains we've seen in this library so far yes and, and he doesn't have any magic to him thank you has no magic powers yeah. to him yeah and, and typically the gimmick of some of the villains we've seen up to this point has been their their magic ursula's amazing she's a wonderfully animated character wonderfully performed character has an amazing song but there's not much more to her than just being a bad guy, unless, like we did, you scrape below the, the surface mm-hmm. of the water, because that's like wordplay. Oh, ooh, <laughs> but under the sea, under you the sea. <laughs> Go ahead, kiss the girl. But Gaston is 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 this very developed villain, it's so much so that I will say he's he's at this point I feel what if not the most developed villain right up there. We've definitely, I mean, we, and obviously it's, it goes without saying we've had villains that are not. Uh, that don't have magic to them, like Cruella, Cruella doesn't have magic, right. and and uh, the the bad cast of Oliver and Company. <laughs> I'm just gonna say <laughs> cast because they're all morally gray, but uh, but but they're all they are all very much so two dimensional villains. They're all 
I'm a bad guy. I'm aware of it. Here's why I'm a bad you know, And this is my one bad thing that I'm going to do the entire movie. Whereas Gaston does come off as like, he just wants Belle. Yeah. He wants Belle. That's all he wants. Oh, and there's a beast? Oh, well, I have to stop the beast so I can get Belle. That's all I want. That's all I want. Yeah. She's the best. Uh, Don't I deserve the best? Now let's look at like Lemire and Cogsworth. Let's look at the, the inanimate objects made animated. The animated objects. Uh, <laughs> Lemire is way more attractive as a candlestick than he is as a human. Yes, right? he is. I have realized that about a lot of the characters. I'm like, oh, go back to being the object. I don't... It's it's funny. It's just weird. At the end when he becomes human, I'm like, ugh. I think he, he just came off much more suave yeah. as, a, as a candelabra. Though. I think he was compensating. Once he realized, like, hey, I look pretty good as a candle. I'll just be a candle the rest of the time. I'll be okay with this. Um, but uh, some we, we just uh, had the conversation about sidekicks between Joanna and you look at, so we talked about Sebastian. We had been tweeted if we thought he was the best. I still think Sebastian's the better sidekick yeah. character. Uh, I mean, hell... Lemire, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts, none of those characters ever refer to Belle by name. That's true. It's no. the girl. Yeah. Or uh, dear. Uh, or Chip calls her Belle. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He does, He's the only one that does, doesn't he? Yeah. That's it. It's just, just Chip who calls her Belle. Um, now, that doesn't change the fact that Lumiere has one of the all-time great Disney songs. Oh, be yes. Our guests. Fantastic showstopper. Which, again... You look at it, you listen to it, it is absolutely flat out a Broadway song. Oh, yeah. Because it's it almost feels like the, like maybe going into intermission song. Like it's just this big, huge number that they're going to pull out all the stops That's for. The, boom! Like, I'm, if, if anyone's ever, if you've been familiar with the Broadway show, if you've ever had a chance to see it, or even like a high school production, that is the the biggest production number of the whole show is to do be our guest. And, and it's, it's a song that will forever be sung at every dinner theater till the end. Next, of time. Yes. <laughs> and I like that, that the movie version of it, like the, 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 the dancing plates and silverware and utensils and all that stuff. It, it harkens back to the thirties era, big budget, like musical movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm trying the- like, yeah, like every, like all like all the plates di- or like all the silverware diving into the bowl, and then like doing the synchronized swimming, and then the uh, the plates all coming up on like the tiered system, and they're rotating around and they're dancing. I can't think of the oh man. There's people out there right now that are yelling it at their uh, speakers that they they're no they know what I'm talking about. The movie it used to be in the uh, the the great ride or the great movie ride down in uh, MGM. Like that was mm-hmm. the first thing you saw when you walk when you when you rode in and uh, but that like like the. the Siegfried Follies, is that it? Am I thinking the correctly? The classic era yeah. of, of Hollywood being represented here on the on the big screen. On the big with, screen. With in the nineties to a generation who has n- like at least multiple generations that have no idea of those movies. <laughs> but it just fits and it just works. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, and this is a, perfect. That's a darn good number. And it's, it's catchy. And all these every song in this movie is progressing the narrative. Uh, Little uh, Little Mermaid did that as well, where the songs were a part of the narrative. But this more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 25 minutes plus worth of singing narration, yep. right? singing plot throughout the course of this. You get characters' uh, motives and feelings and an explanation of of what's going on through songs like Gaston and Be Our Guest. And that's another thing we haven't really experienced in the Disney Library up to this point. But is something that we will get more of, yes. As we as we move along through these through these eras, because coming back from the seventies and the six or like the seventies when it was just incidental music mm-hmm. or it was just a song that was playing to make you feel emotional, 
Yeah, you're very much so. You're very much. You're very right that everything that we're hearing in this continues that storyline. Uh, I was trying to find the, the the movie. I was trying to find the soundtrack, and I can't <laughs> find it now. Music. So, so the 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 song in in this that I as much as be our guest is the showstopper. Gaston is one of the best villain songs up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Beauty and the Beast itself is a beautiful number and sung by it. The legendary Angela Lansbury, which is crazy to think, like like she actually sings it, and it's because we're in that era where we don't get a lot of the speaking people to be singing their songs. Right. Like the voice actors don't sing their songs. That's something we're definitely going to hit with the next movie on our list next week. Um, it's it's it it and it's almost evident once you realize, like, oh, that's not the same person singing. Right. You're going to hear it it's from like, that's ever. Nice. I mean, Helen. Uh, and there's something more when uh, she looked and she didn't shut up when she touched my paw. Like, that does yeah. not sound like the voice actor doing <laughs> Beast's voice. Um, but Angela Lansbury singing Beauty and the Beast is just amazing. And she didn't even think she should do it. She thought there was a better character to sing that song. Because well, she's the loving old lady. Yeah, <laughs> it she... has to be her. She's the <laughs> hopeless romantic who somehow has a nine-year-old child. Again, time loop. Oh man, the what kid. does she age? No, did no, Mrs. He, Potts age? The kid was trapped at nine years old when the curse started. Uh, None of the inanimate objects are have aged. But Mrs. Potts still like in her fifties, right? She's up She's there. Truly gray. It's a different time. French people, Jeff. Ah, French people. Those French people are weird. <laughs> They're hairy, and they like Jerry Lewis. It, well, I mean, I hey, I like Jerry Lewis too. Yeah, come on. I'm not, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. So uh, Cogsworth. <laughs> I he what that poor guy he gets he gets smacked around beat up he is just trying to do his job I know but his his he has a character development in be our guest as well because he definitely starts off being like no no we, no, no, no don't no, do no, it no, 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 no like don't sing don't sing and like trying to get him to shut up and uh, this like the the breakdown moment when they're making it like snow and he's just standing there as it's like. <sighs> but then right as the end of the song happens and he actually like lets loose and starts dancing his tongue's hanging out yeah right? like I love that I love that he, there's a moment where his character in a song actually kind of has a character arc and he kind of yeah. loosens up a bit and relaxes and understands like no you know what this is kind of fun actually <laughs> something that I had forgotten and maybe it was just something I was never never really drew my attention was how many animated cartoon wild takes are in this movie a lot of like uh Cogsworth getting yanked and then his hair following. Oh yeah. Or LeFou getting his face stuck in the the glass and then <laughs> bunk, right? There's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, there is. That you don't, that I don't feel is something I ever considered before. That this this has a lot of cartoonish elements to it. And it's only done with the characters that it makes sense with. Right. Like, like Belle and Beast. Well, no, even Beast has has a little bit of cartoon. Like he, I guess no, he doesn't have any wild takes. He just has some really good physical comedy, right? And and even so, the spots where the physical comedy happen at in the movie are appropriate. They mm-hmm. do not happen the first time you see him because his his animation style, or even his character arc, it, or his animation style fits his character arc. In the beginning of the movie, when you see him, he is portrayed very evil, very large, very looming monster, yeah. dark shadows kept from like low angles, and then as he softens. To Bell, he starts getting a little more cartoony, comedic. Because, mm-hmm. like, when he goes to like pound on the door when she doesn't come down to dinner, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, and you I can would've... star. Yeah, and even even my favorite is the is like the um, 
would you come down to dinner? Say please. No, it's like, say, like, please. No. <laughs> like, yeah, goes, like his little pointing yes, finger, yes, like yeah. out of the side. Oh, it's such a comedic moment. <laughs> but then we go back into him being serious. And then it gets really comedic and kind of more physical, funny during the preparation right before the Beauty and the Beast song. Mm-hmm. Again, where the opening quote from this episode comes from, and then as the as it as he realizes that Belle is leaving, he kind of comes back down, and he becomes more more beast, more sad, and kind of just humble until the fight scene with Gaston at the end, and then he's full blown beast again. Even seeing Gaston when that Gaston pulls the arrow on him again, and he just looks at him like, "Just do it." Yeah, he doesn't doesn't say it. That's the look in his eyes. Beast has quite a great character arc as well. Mm -hmm. We we he. He's the first character we meet in the movie because of the prologue, and to watch where he goes over the course of the film, being affected by Belle. If you can, if anyone watching this, anyone listening, if you can disassociate yourself from the reality of Stockholm Syndrome and how old is this character, and, and just experience it for the narrative, for the fairy tale that it is, Beast has quite a beautiful story. I, I, I was genuinely moved. When he touches her face and says, "At least I got to see you one last time yeah. before he dies," that's that genuinely choked me up. That uh, that that is really effective for the <laughs> for the performance of the character, for the animation of the characters. Which brings me to my Glenn Keane moment of the episode. Okay, <laughs> so those who've been listening are aware Glenn Keane is this is the legendary animator from Disney. Beast was his. Uh, he was the one that did uh, Ariel's hair. He did right? Ariel's okay. hair. He did the bear fight from the bear Fox fight. Island. He's, yep. He, uh, Marahute from uh, last week's Re- uh, Rescuers Down Under. Yep. This guy is a legend of animation, and he was the lead animator on Beast. And wanted, he, when he went into this, he knew what he was going to do. He wanted to save the transformation for last because he knew that this was going to be one of the most challenging moments of his career. So the, the, the trans, transma- transformation back to Prince Adam at the end. And that animation sequence is beautiful. And, and Keen himself and uh, animation historian Sense have called it's a masterpiece of an, hand-drawn animation. Hand-drawn, which in, in, a, in today's world where you could do it, where, you know, it's CG, it's easy, it, you know, it's still not easy. Trust me, I do 3D work on the side. <laughs> yes. I know how complicated it can be. But it can be easier to transform one model to another with th- with like a three D piece of software, right? Or even even three D aided two D style animation. You watch that the beast is rotating. He's kind of slouching his head down as he's moving mm-hmm. because he's limp. So it's not even just like it's a it's an upright figure that they're just doing a three sixty turn cycle oh, on. No. He's he, mutating. He's right mutating and moving, and he's rotating, and his shoulders up above his head, and it's it's fascinating to sit there and go, I, how, how, how <laughs> did was, you guys plan that at all? He wanted to save that to the end, and the the head of animation for the movie said, could you get that that sooner? We don't know if you'll have enough time to to get to it. If you save it for last, this is an important piece. It needs to work. And Glenn, Glenn was like, I'll do it. I'd like to save my dessert for last, mm-hmm. but if you want me to do it now, I'll do it. And uh, one of the other, the director of the movie said, you know what? You do it when you're ready. And you take as much time as you need. We will hold production for this moment if we have to. Oh, it's such an important moment. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a moment that gets spoofed a lot or referenced a lot. You know, now we've reached that point nowadays where I feel like whenever there's... Well, okay, technically Return of the Jedi did it first. But whenever there's a like a transformation or some sort of like changing, there is also like 
beams of light coming out of the person. <laughs> but but that very much so, you know, Shrek did it. I know you know that. Yeah, I do. Uh, um, uh, see the end of the episode for an explanation of that. Um, but the uh, like, it's it's definitely a unique moment. We've never seen anything like that, like that transformation in these. 30, or the, the 29 movies leading up to yeah, this. Yeah, the, the closest we might be able to compare to, which is strange because we're going all the way back to the first one, would be, would be Snow White and the, and the witch's transformation. But even that is presented in close-ups. Right. The hand changing, the, the mouth changing. Like, we don't get to see the full-on transformation. Right. That is presented with with Beast. And this, it's, it's, this this is very much so a werewolf transformation in <laughs> yeah. reverse. If you yeah, think yeah. about it, because yeah. it's like foot. It's like it's like a close up of the hand, close up of the foot, then a close up of the face. It's it's so traditional, Universal Monsters Wolfman transformation in reverse. It's just the the attention to detail in this movie, and it goes beyond the animation because there's certainly an attention to the animation mm-hmm. in this. But uh, even the music, we've we've talked about the music before with Mencken and Ashman, um, uh, little motifs throughout this. That they did almost a half hour worth of music for this hour and twenty minute film. Right, right. <laughs> there's only five minutes of this movie without score. <laughs> That's it. Where there's no music. I'm 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 going through my head right now because like, where I, are there not where is there not music? Because like yeah, I'm, I'm sitting because guys guys guys, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I have the full isolated score. <laughs> I I'm. I'm I'm a slight lover of this movie. You nerd. Shut your face. <laughs> to the point where it's like I know every piece of I know every piece of the music. Well it, and, and like when I hear like when I was watching the movie last night, I'm sitting there going, Oh yeah, that piece. Like I know I like I can listen to the the score, not the not even the songs. Mm-hmm. I can listen to the score and I can tell you where we are in the movie. Well there's how a, much I love it. There's a great motif for the beast that I really appreciate, which is the um uh, here's where she meet Prince Charming. Yep. The next time you hear that piece of music is, oh, and isn't it's a bit alarming the, yep. when she sees Beast for the Later first time. Later on during... sees uh, him for what he could be. Something there. It's the callback to that. It's this tiny little reprise. Yep. A reprise, and it's it's, ah, it's beautifully handled from... from, uh, from there's it, it is no surprise that this was nominated for... Best picture, right? It's the it's. I know we should talk Which, first here, but first, yeah, right. No, no, we'll bring <laughs> we, that up because we've broken the format of the because the format is guys. It's it's done, guys. Come on. <laughs> also, we're not doing any more episodes of this. There's no greater Disney movie after this. Sorry, lies, lies. Uh, shut your hole. Uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 not a surprise. This was this, and this is the first the first animated feature length film, correct? Correct. They're, to be nominated for a best yes. picture and like one of the few actually for a best picture. There's only been three films in the history of the Oscars, so we're 80 plus years now, that have ever been animated movies that have been nominated for Best Picture. Beauty and the Beast was the first one, Up, and Toy Story 3. Hmm. Now, when this was nominated, a little history lesson here, uh, when this was nominated for Best Picture by uh, for the Academy of Arts and Sciences, for the Academy Awards, for the Oscars, people were ticked. The movie cinephiles were like, how dare you nominate a kid's cartoon for best picture? I don't think so. And so much so that they had to create a new category. That's where the best animated film category came from because people were so outraged that how dare a, a cartoon be nominated for best picture? Which is, which of course, hearing that now, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Per- especially, I mean, look it up. Look at Toy Story 3. Yes, those are, especially the years they came out, 
definitively the some of the best pictures yep. of the years they came out. Yep. And also look at some of the movies that are nominated for best pictures or, and tell me uh, look really at some of the movies that win best yeah, picture. Yeah, I know. Again, like that's the winning movie for the year. Quick plug for uh, Lindsay and Callan over <laughs> at uh, the Oscars. Go. You can you can delve into more there. But um, the Oh shoot! I had a thought and I lost it because we 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 tangented so many times right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for, guys. I'm here to get TC off of his tangents. Wait, wait. What? I'm on a tangent now. Where did I go? It was good. Uh, oh, sir, did you? Did you I, I did not give you nearly enough time because I attempted to ad lib and I just tanked. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I was going to say here, but so but, the, the fact that it's it was the nose was turned up that this could be nominated for. Oh, I I thought. Ooh, got it back. Came out in '94. Or I mean, right? 91. 90, 91. Yep. The, I knew that. Um, <laughs> the best picture winner that year was Silence of the Lambs. Thank you. Which can't, oh, were you looking at? I one? was trying to figure, I could not remember, because I'm like, I know Lindsay and I did it for the AFI podcast. And I'm not. What was it? Saying that Beauty and the Beast didn't deserve to be nominated for best picture, but Silence of the Lambs won, and that came out in February. That's true. What the heck was going on in that year that a movie from February <laughs> won best picture? Again, also first like for- R-rated horror movie considered to be horror at mm-hmm. the time to have won to be to be nominated for a best picture. Yeah, and it won. It's like all right, but well, I did. Hey, Silence of Lambs, great movie. Still yes, love it. Don't that, worry. That is not what I'm saying. I look forward to Callan and Lindsay getting that. But let's go. Let's go to a further history lesson. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, now for TC's <laughs> Katzenberg minute. <laughs> Uh, Katzenberg Corner sounds better. TC's Katzenberg Corner. Is it spelled K O R N E R? Okay. <laughs> no, Katzenberg spelled with a C O. Oh, that's just Katzenberg. Katzenberg Canner. Okay, okay. Katzenberg Canner. I have from spent Brooklyn. the past several episodes <laughs> giving this guy a lot of grief. I feel like you need to just have an entire podcast dedicated to him at this point, TC. <laughs> I don't because we're we're nearing the end of his tenure. That's here. true. Yep. And it's it's been very clear that I have an axe to grind against <laughs> this guy for a lot of the decisions. I feel he made that negatively influenced animated films for the history of animated films once he was involved. Um, but he does deserve a lot of credit for the Renaissance, for the good that came out of this, that, that his, his Hollywood sensibilities led to the success that Disney is recreating to the, to the, today right. with, with their, their movies. That him and Eisner were responsible for starting the fire that led to the Renaissance, that led to John Lasseter and what he's doing now. Beauty and the Beast, it, as we know it, is a product of lessons learned. I've, I've mentioned some movies being lessons learned film before. Ashman and Mencken were working on Aladdin after Little Mermaid. They were not working on Beauty and the Beast. We had a friend, a friend of the show, David Geisler, uh, who I've been doing the Let's Plays with, uh, he led me down this this little rabbit hole to try to find more information about this. This wasn't intended to be a musical. Which kind of connects to what we were discussing uh, previously about, like I think during Little Mermaid, about how that was a musical, but then Rescuers was definitely not a musical. I guess right. we were talking about it last week. Yes. Yeah. About how it's definitely not a musical and maybe was this, like some of the success of The Little Mermaid being a musical pushed them into, hey, look, we need to make, a, we need to make Beauty and the Beast a musical. And yep. Kind of sounds like that's where it went. The success of Little Mermaid led Katzenberg to say, hey, whatever we're doing, more Broadway. Mm -hmm. Do that again. And to push even harder when Rescuers Down Under was not 
tracking well. Now, granted, Rescuers Down Under came out, Beauty and the Beast was already nearing the end of its development. Mm-hmm. But in the early stages of Rescuer Down Under, Rescuers Down Under's development, seeing how the test audiences were reacting to that while Little Mermaid was just destroying in all their test audiences, right? that led Katzenberg to say, this is the direction we need to go. Let's finish off Rescuers Down Under. Hey, 70 minutes is fine. Let's just get it out. Music, music, music. Being very Katzenberg, because I can picture him approaching this subject the exact same way he approached the other ones where, you know, it's like, oh, it's got to be this. We have to do this ridiculous. Dogs in New York. Dogs in New York. That's that's, that's what kids want. That's a stupid idea. What are you talking about? You don't know anything. It's like, no, it's going to be more Broadway. That's what kids (laughs) want. And it's like, that's stupid. This movie was fantastic. Yeah, he he was right in doing this. So Pauline Mankin and Ashman off of working on Aladdin to come over, to come back a film to work on this. That was the right move, and and again, as much as I've I've bashed this man for his mentality and his and his very cutthroat style mm-hmm. to running this company, the animation department, his decisions did yield really good results, and I cannot fault him for that. Right, he just still feels like a jerk. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is, TC. <laughs> Sorry, Katzenberger, for listening right now. He's nuts. He would never listen to this <laughs> podcast. So, um. I, you know, man alive. Sorry, I was just scrubbing through my notes, and I had a question, and I realized we had already discussed it. I am so sorry. Uh, we do not need to, uh, need, not, not need to go about oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm actually, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more. What do you have? Oh, uh, really? Do you have anything okay. else more? We've, we've actually discussed my buttload of notes. The one thing I do want to talk about, I guess, real quickly, I, I really do... I really did enjoy the voice acting. I felt like the voice acting that the character, the actress had done in it, did a really fantastic job. Yeah, there's definitely some deliveries that are a little not flat, but they come off actually kind of Broadway-ish, theater-ish uh, in some of their delivery. Yeah, nearly every, all the main roles in this movie, aside from like Maurice, are all Broadway professionals mm-hmm. who were brought in to be voice acting. So it's fitting that their delivery of these lines is are coming off very kind of theatric yes, in, in yeah. sense, and and that could turn people off of this movie. I don't know who, who could go into this movie and think they're gonna <laughs> think they're gonna like it and then not like it because it's too theatrical or too too Broadway. Ridiculous people that I do not care to be friends <laughs> with. TC is who, but that could that could affect <laughs> someone's opinion of this if it's because it's like it's true, Dafu. Like that's oh that's, yeah, is very it's very stagey, stagey theatrics. Yeah. Um, they also all seem to stand kind of open to the audience, which anybody who's <laughs> acted on stage before knows what I'm talking about. They don't they don't they don't necessarily things aren't staged like a movie would mm-hmm. be. There's a 180. Things come off a little bit more like everyone's kind of turned facing the camera. Right. So where where there was a much more cinematic quality to Rescuers Down Under mm-hmm. than before to a lot of what we saw in Little Mermaid. I feel they lost a bit of the the camera cinematic camera technique in this, only to be replaced by some really expert blocking. If you look right. at the scene like where Gaston goes to propose to Belle, it's a really well blocked scene. Right. Um, it's it's interesting because they're animated, so it's hard to 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 wrap your brain around the fact that these characters are being moved like blocked like human beings, right? Like, the, like physical beings. But yeah, there's some, there's some really Great choreography and blocking throughout the course of this film. I would say that the that the 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 the, the lack of the filmic look, in my personal opinion, 
really only makes uh, makes it makes itself known during the dialogue scenes mm-hmm. because when Maurice is riding in the woods and he's getting chased by the wolves up to the beast's castle um, the whole fight sequence at the end between beast and Gaston the, the the bell rushing back to Maurice those all come off very filmic mm-hmm. if you if you watch what's happening the the camera angles they're doing the the fact that they're doing low camera angles and they're trying they're like they're putting the camera like, I mean even the opening sequence like pulling back from Belle's house and as she walks towards the camera and crossing the, the, the bridge over the little bit of the stream and then turning towards the city or yeah. the village it's it's a very filmic scenic camera they definitely have the they must have been using the camera plates the, I, the, paint, anim- the, the, the paint animation yeah. Yeah. because it's just the, the way that the camera flows or oh man so at the end of the the prologue when we see the uh we see the close-up of the rose sitting in Beast's room and the camera like slowly pulls out the wind pulls out past the balcony and we just keep pulling back and pulling back and pulling back and we're seeing the castle and we're we're you're it's a helicopter shot is what yeah. it is <laughs> and even even though in in theory you in your head you'd be like oh it'd be so why you know it's not a complicated shot it'd be easier to do that with a drawing because you just get really close to the drawing and you pull back but if you think about the level of detail yes, and the space yes. they have to actually do it that's a really complicated shot and to pull it off so seamlessly they do a fantastic job. So I feel I feel they kept the filmic qualities. Yes, I do agree. Not as much throughout the film as Rescuers Down Under. Rescuers Down Under was beautiful looking. It just seemed like they kept the focus on certain scenes. When dialogue was happening, nope, was just kind of keep the camera mm-hmm. kind of in a in a in a traditional like like three camera setup or you know like reverse reverse and then maybe a wide or something like just nothing overly complicated for that but still you you're you are right what drew us into this was the vocal performances there are some really fine vocal performances in mm-hmm. this bell bell has a judy garland quality to her through she this does. whole thing even her outfit right oh yeah uh she's and, just missing that scrappy little dog yeah <laughs> but she kind of has in the uh, representation of the footstool the footstool which dog. by the way i would love a footstool dog I don't know. Well, I guess they wouldn't need food, and they wouldn't pee or poop anywhere. Right. Just, what are they going to do? Leave on little tassels everywhere around the oh, house? he's so cute. He's so cute. Who's the little tassel dog? You, you picked up the tassels, you little footrest dog. But think about it. Cute, loving, and also practical. Yeah. Footrest for my house. Yeah. Also, yeah, footrest. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're getting for Christmas. Ah, foot, uh, footrest dog. Mm. <laughs> I love those hybrids these days. They're so fantastic. <laughs> So do you have any other things that you uh, wish to I, talk about? I actually don't. I got through all the notes here. I do have some comments from the the, the listeners. Okay. So uh, for those of you who, again, this might be the first time diving into this, you can hit us up on facebook.com slash topshelfpod, yep. where we will post when we are going to record. And when this episode goes up, we'd love to hear your reactions to what we had to say. What did we miss what is something you wish we had elaborated on? TC loves talking to everybody. Yeah, um, I try, I try. I, I apologize for those of you who are, just as a quick side note, I do apologize for those of you out there. I have not been commenting on a lot of them because I've been kind of taking a like a long-term hiatus from social media. So uh, Instagram was still on there, just for, I know that a couple of our listeners know me on Instagram. Right. But the like Facebook, I, it's not that I don't love you people. What do you mean, you people? What, uh, what you do you mean? <laughs> it's not that I don't love you guys. It's just, I know TC... Nine times out of ten, when I used to log in, I'd be like, oh, someone left a comment, and TC commented. Well, <laughs> I, he said everything I was going to say, so I, there you if go. If you want to respond. Oh, no, no, please do. People like you. Oh, <laughs> well, well, first up, we hear, uh, um, I hope I say this right, Natasia, Natasia, Natasia from, uh, from the Facebook page. I apologize if I just butchered your name, but 
Uh, new listener, I don't recognize the name. Thank oh, you. I did not recognize it either. Thank you very much for listening and commenting. She just says it's uh, her favorite animated Disney movie. Double exclamation point! Point smiley emoji. I like this new listener. <laughs> you, like, you like this new listener. I like this new listener. <laughs> I agree. Thank you for joining us, and uh, please stick around for more future movies that I enjoy. Our friend Schulze <laughs> asks, uh, so when using utensils, glasses, etc., is this harassment? <laughs> and when going through uh, the armoire and handling the drawers, what is actually being handled here? Well, see, that's like going along the lines of like when the feather duster is getting plucked of her feathers at the end. <laughs> like, what is he actually is ripping he off right <laughs> now? Limbs, limbs, <laughs> limbs. But then there's there's that definitely that question about like, whoa. Are, is everything in the house a human? Was it a human, or was it just that the like a, like yes, the chef got turned into an oven, Mrs. Potts got turned into a teapot, mm-hmm. and, you know, Lumiere got turned into a candle, but the 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 knives and the silverware, or the knives, the plates, the the food, and all that sort of stuff, that stuff was all just magically brought to life. Right. They were just plates. They were just they plates were so, before. Otherwise. Prince Adam here had a hell of a staff. Yeah, and <laughs> apparently no actual furniture. No furniture. <laughs> that, that castle was empty. Uh, Thomas, that my intro to Jeff this this uh, episode was for you. He he mentioned the same. Try to fit in. Good morning, Bell. Where are you off to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Aaron Williams, who we've worked with on several films. Um, Memories of this in the theater. He had been in a lock in the night before, and so he was very tired, uh, drunk tired mm-hmm. when he saw it, and, yeah, but he especially remembered the opening stained glass sequence being extra surreal. The second time he saw it was in the 3D re-release, and he couldn't handle the cell animation at 24 frames per section. Se- 24, 24 are frames hard. per second with no motion blur. Oh, yes. And uh, he left to go sneak into The Adventures of Tintin, another cool movie. Um, <laughs> I 100% agree that the re-releases on these films, especially the 3D translation transitions, are not good. Like they're not, they're not meant. They weren't meant to be in 3D. Mm-hmm. The only reason to release them now in 3D is for more money. Yeah. There's not. There's no artistic value in turning something to 3D. That's why after Lion King, which is one of the highest grossing movies of all time, did when it was re-released, mm-hmm. and Disney was like, okay, we're done. Yeah. We're, we're done doing these. As much as I love this movie. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that, TC, how, how uh, much I, I like this movie. I hadn't heard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but as much as I enjoy this movie, and as much as I would love to see it in the theaters, because mm-hmm. I've never seen it in the theaters, I would not go see a 3 I, I There's no way I'd there's go no, see a 3D. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, you show me the original. I don't even care. Show me the special edition. Fine. Mm-hmm. The one I watched, I'm still okay with that. But 2D. 2D, please. I do not <laughs> want to see a 3D version of this film. Uh, Aaron also says, come on, Gaston, three words. Hot triplets. <laughs> I know, right? Gaston's priorities are strange. <laughs> he, but, of course, or the triplets no, he, are all blondes, aren't they? He's got they? good taste. He's, he he, he likes brunettes. Belle is a winner. I am also covered in hair. So, guys, for those of you who don't know what I look like, I am a spitting image of Gaston. He, he is. It's quite uncanny. Right. Yeah. I've been sitting out the entire time with my shirt pulled open. So it's just my hairy chest. I, in fact, I thought you had somehow just, like got an image of the shot from the movie. That's, <laughs> no, that's my actual hair. So going off of the, our 3D <laughs> scene in 3D, good. I did have a, uh, a tweet from uh, our our reoccurring tweeter. Mm-hmm. Twitterpated at me. Twitterpated. Dig, 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 hi-ho, asking, remake, yay or nay? Nay. <sighs> Jeff? So, I've made my feelings clear on these, but yes. I, I, will, I will elaborate, but Jeff, remake, yay or nay? I... 
I watched I watched the remake, the li- the live action yes, remake, yes, correct? That's what so we're talking the 2017 about. 2017 okay. Beauty and the Beast starring Emma Watson um, as Belle. There was there was a lot about it. I'm not gonna lie. So I saw I saw that one in theaters. Yes, and I liked it. I enjoyed the movie, mm-hmm. but all it did was when I left the theater, I'm like, I really want to go watch the original <laughs> one now. Like that's what it did. It, it was fun to kind of see like, oh, how did they make this stuff work? I did kind of like the concept that the closer to the last petal falling, the 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 objects like Lumiere and Cogsworth and all that stuff slowly started becoming more of what they were. Like had that last petal fallen they would have all ceased to live and they would have all just been the objects. Yes. I kind of liked that because then then they have more stakes in the matter. Like, no, they're basically all just going to die if this doesn't happen. Yeah. I kind of liked that concept. I flippin' hated the time-traveling mirror or whatever that <laughs> crap that or the map or whatever that was. You didn't want more flashback of Why? Belle's mom? And- I didn't care about her mother. I don't care. There, there were little details I actually did appreciate. I liked the just this little extra line of Gaston returning from a war that yes. he would have fought in the French Revolution. That, yep. would, that would make sense. The the little details of Belle's mom in the opening, right, where uh, Maurice is making the music box. Oh, and that song is beautiful. I yes. love that song. Yes. Kevin Klein did a fantastic job with L- it too. Little details like that. Right, well, it's Kevin Klein. He's- <laughs> I, I I cannot really hate Kevin Klein. Little details like that. I appreciate it. Right. But the additional stuff, like the, like, like it was, it was unnecessary. That being said, I am a fan of the Broadway version, which mm-hmm. does add some mythos to a lot of, uh, a lot of little elements, a lot of little elements, a few elements <laughs> over the course of, of the show. Um, but no, a great number I, of minuscule elements. Yes. We're, we're going to continue to get these, these, these updated versions we're getting yeah. the lion king we're getting we will have aladdin like we're gonna continue to get them but and, and maybe i'm just being a, a poop but i prefer these versions these yeah. animated versions are as perfect as they could be in some respects why, why go back and why, why as as cogsworth would say if, <laughs> if it's, it's not, not broke, broke don't, don't fix, fix it, it. <laughs> there you go dig yeah, I do agree. It's not there's no need to there's no need to do them. But if anything, be like me. You go see them, and then you realize how much you love the original one. That's exactly that's exactly what happened. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go watch the original one now. Uh, any tropes or firsts on this? Oh, one? TC TC TC. There are. Um, so we discussed the first, the the, the Disney first of the. So I'll do first first because that's my smaller list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Disney first of it being the first animated animated film to be. Award, nominated Best Picture at the Oscars. And it won and, Best Musical Comedy at the Golden Globes. Oh, man. Which usually is your is, your, is an indication for what's going to win Best Picture. Right. Golden Globes generally is the... They got a good, they got a good record. They got a good record going. Um, you actually brought up, before we started recording, a first in the fact that Belle is our first brunette princess, technically? Yeah, our first female protagonist. For brunette female uh, protagonist, for yeah. the, for the, which we is kind of fun. Blondes and redheads yeah. and black hair. So, which I didn't even, I did not make that that connection. That I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't had any brunettes, have we? <laughs> There's lists for everything on the internet. Oh yes, that's <laughs> what the internet's for. Um, as for tropes, we got a couple this time, guys. All mm-hmm. right, so here mm-hmm. we go. Uh, guys and girls, sorry, I'm from Wisconsin. It's just my lexicon. Uh, number one, single parent of the protagonist. And Crazy Belle's father. old Maurice. <laughs> Always good for a laugh. <laughs> uh, number two, bubbly, mustached, rotund parent of the protagonist. White, white mustache. White mustache, even. fat, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. 
we'll see him again next week. <laughs> uh, number three, reused animation, mm-hmm. as we had previously discussed. Uh, uh, number four, True Love's Kiss. Ah, yes. That's a, that's a classic one, which actually I completely forgot about, and I started adding to this list at the beginning of t- this episode. I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot True Love's Kiss. How did well, I forget technically, that? Technically, she saved him with just saying she loves him. True. It wasn't exactly True Love's Kiss, but... Love, love conquers all. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, guys, of course, guys, I made this list with, like, the prologue started, and I wrote this You're list like, oh, down. Yeah, I'm like, this is that. all these. Um, is, of course, the villain falls to his oh, death at the end. Yeah. Which I had, I had realized while watching it, I'm like, it's because of this movie, and around the time I saw this originally, I had seen Return of the Jedi for the first time. Yeah. The, it's those two movies that made me... Re- that made me Think that all villains fell to their <laughs> death at the end of their movies. Yeah, fall to the death. death yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, it's Emperor Palpatine gets thrown over the cliff and falls to his death, and then uh, Gaston falls out the the building and falls to his death. So if you ever need to destroy an enemy, just fall him off, the, throw him off a cliff, well, or throw have, him over the they edge. They have to be responsible for falling off their own. That's true. That's true. Oh, and real quick, as a fun little note about that moment when Gaston falls. Okay. There is so it's funny. It's two shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shot from below him falling towards camera, yeah. and then there's a cut reversal very close on his eye as he's falling away from the camera. Okay. There's two frames. When it's close to his eye, he has little skulls. They drew skulls in his eye. That attention to detail. That's, instead that's of his great. pupil. Just for, it's like two frames. Way to go, Disney. I Those know animators. it's there. At least they didn't hide their penis. Oh, yeah. It was two <laughs> giant penises Just in his eyes. two dongs in his eyes. It would have been... <laughs> Inappropriate, but oh, uh, boy. no, it, it, it so like that, that was just like was a fun little thing to the point where I know when it happens mm-hmm. and I see it every wow. time it now happens. That, now that you're consciously aware, of yep, it, your eyes can it's catch there. it. That's uh, that's great. I, I we didn't mention this, but 100% absolutely show your kids this movie. This oh, is, absolutely. Uh, we are, and I said I've been saying this for the past few episodes, we are in the definitive Disney animated era. That when you think of Disney animated films, you think of these films. Even yep. though we're on movie number 30, yep. now we are establishing exactly what an entire couple generations of people use as the touchstone for Disney animation. Yeah. So yes, a- absolutely, this is a movie worth showing kids. There's nothing in this movie that's overly frightening or it, inappropriate yeah. because Gaston, you know, he, just, he, want, he wants Belle. It's okay, it's a little... Rapey in some spots. <laughs> a little rapey. Uh, a little bit, just a little, a little bit. A little, little bit too much. Gaston just needs to cut back a little bit. More, more misogynistic. Yeah, there you go. But it's like it's nothing that a kid's not a kid's not going to watch it going, what What was that? Like, they're not going to care. Right. I didn't understand. I didn't care. Even Beast is not terrifying. No. Even, even the wolves themselves, they, they smartly did not overshadow them. Right. They are very clearly wolves. Yes. They are scary, but they are not sinister looking right. any more than just the fact that they have fangs. And I actually kind of think the hyenas are probably scarier oh, looker, looking in yes, Lion King yes, yeah, than yeah, the yeah. wolves are in this one. This movie is, is one movie, this movie is definitely not a, something that a kid is going to be terrified of or no. or not understand. They're going to like it. Lots of fun songs. Mm-hmm. Lots of great characters. Yep. It's a great female lead for the most part in, you know, in the sense that Belle very much so doesn't want Gaston doesn't want the big handsome guy and she looks for so much more. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she just she wants adventure in the great wide somewhere mm-hmm. uh, while she rips off sound of music. It's perfectly it's okay. Fine. It's fine. I'm okay it's with homaging. It. It's, it's homaging totally stuff. homaging. <laughs> well, I do have one more theory here that was tweeted at me and I'm I'm uh, I'm sorry I did this again. I forgot to write down who tweeted at me. So okay. thank you. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at TC's Big Head. Yep. 
I'm pretty active on there. If you also want to hit up Jeff at Random Bell. Mm-hmm. The fairy at the beginning, is that the blue fairy? You know what? I, I remember, I think I remember running across this theory way back when we were doing... Uh, the Pinocchio. Uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, this fairy is transforming a what in some in some uh, interpretations a boy into something right and with the you must learn a lesson before you can become a real boy right right so could could the fairy the the benevolent fairy of Pinocchio be the very cranky fairy from the <laughs> <laughs> which and it's 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 worth noting uh, one of the other things near the beginning during during Belle's opening song. She does establish the fact that she's in a world where there are fairy tales because mm-hmm. she talks about Prince Charming. So that means that this is technically not in canon, or this is not in the universe of Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and all those princess fairy tales. That those right. are just stories if in she, her if world. If she can read Sleeping Beauty, if she could, a uh, uh, prince in disguise and sword fights, and is she talking about Aladdin? Like right. she can talk about those movies. But Pinocchio is not a fairy tale. But Pinocchio is not a fairy tale. So it still works that Pinocchio could very well be in this universe. And you mentioned Hunchback Notre Dame. Yep, because Bell. Bell's walking in the streets during uh, one of the wide shots in Paris. So the the reason I asked this, and actually this, I'm asking you this tweet because it's a a good tweet. Mm -hmm. uh, But I'm also going to ask the listeners, should the fairy from this go on the wizard's duel? (laughs) Or is it the blue fairy? Or is it the same And therefore it's the same character. I like the notion that it's the same, the same fairy. Mm-hmm. She's blonde. She's got a magic wand with a star on it. So right. She's transforming a, a a human to a to something else to get back to being. Like, there's a lot of similarities here. So I I'm gonna go with the theory that yes, it is the blue fairy. You know what? I like the fact that it's the, it's the blue fairy. If it was if if the blue fairy was a character that had appeared in like Sleeping Beauty or, or Snow White or one of those, I would have said no because no, right. we're in the world of no fairy or fairy tale stories. Mm-hmm. But I do agree because Pinocchio does still work. <laughs> in this world and the blue fairy so beauty and the beast takes place in france mm-hmm. and pinocchio took place in italy uh, or um yes. like yeah so it's still a european story she could be bouncing around europe she's we don't magic. know she's also magic and she can teleport <laughs> or she can transform people into animals and wood things so really it doesn't matter where it takes place yeah so i'm i'm going with yes on that okay that's <laughs> so, like you know what i never even thought about that yeah so if, if, if the listeners disagree, please you know, feel free to tweet at me uh, what you're feeling about this is. Jeff, of all the movies we've watched. Number 10. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's, it's perfunctory to ask at this point. Guys, I am, I'm so sorry. You guys all know this. You, you, you knew it 10 episodes ago, and I did. I gave it a legitimate you, try. You did, I, yes. I, I was actually very surprised Little Mermaid made it to be number one. Honest, well, not made it to be my number two because yes, <laughs> surprise, spoilers. Beauty and the Beast is my number, number one, one uh, but I, I was actually surprised at Beauty and the Beast. I didn't see Beauty and the Beast making it that high, or sorry, uh, Little Mermaid Little about being about making it that high. So I did legitimately try. I watched this movie again, as I said, with a very critical eye to like figure out the pacing and like the number of songs and and all that sort of stuff, and and. I came away away from the movie going, yeah, no, it's still my still favorite. Uh, it's my favorite out of this these ten. Yeah, I can't guarantee it's. I'm pretty certain it's my favorite overall, but I don't know. We have to, we I, have two more sets to go. Two more sets to go, but it's definitely my number one. I'm sorry. There, at the end of this movie, it always makes me happy. 
It always makes me smile. I always laugh. I know the songs. I have fun singing the songs. The music is on my, is like Spotify went, hey, here's 30 random songs we thought you'd love based upon what you've listened to. It played Gaston today <laughs> because that's how much I love this movie. They like, know. They knew. Spotify they knew. knows I like Beauty and the Beast. So yeah, it's it's just, and yes, part of that is nostalgia, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is just, I love it. It's just, I love the story and I love the music and I love the animation. So, so finishing off this set of 10, it, and by the way, this is no surprise to me. I knew this was going to be, <laughs> I, I was really interested to see, especially because some of these movies you hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. how this would affect your viewing. Now, that being said, going into our next sets. Oh, it's going to get tough. Right. And if and had Beauty and the Beast been a part of oh. going up against some of the movies we're watching in the yeah. next couple of weeks, maybe you're, maybe that would have been a harder challenge for yeah. you, but you got lucky on this. I got very... <laughs> woo, the uh, Disney gods were looking down upon me this this for this podcast, guys. Just so saying. So what are your 10 for this set? There's a little recap of, you know, I'm kind of dodging answering. Right now. I don't know if you're I've noticed this. I, uh, you can't get away from me this easy, TC. <laughs> okay. So you want me to do my ten? I can do well, my ten. Yeah, let's let's just let's discuss your ten because I'll discuss mine as well. Okay. After. So my ten end up being for this podcast. Uh, number ten was Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Number nine is the Black Cauldron. Uh, number eight is Oliver and Company. Number seven is the Rescuers. Number six, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Number five, the Great Mouse Detective. Number four, Rescuers Down Under. Three, The Fox and the Hound, which, by the way, was my number one for the longest time. Yep, until we hit Little Mermaid. Until we hit Little Mermaid. Uh, Number two is Little Mermaid, and then number one is Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I do want to say, out of that list of ten, which a lot of them were because we hit that that dark era of Disney and then got into the Renaissance again, Mm -hmm. a lot of those movies are ones that I had never seen before. Where did Oliver and Company land? Oliver and Company ended up as number Number eight. Yeah, okay. Number eight, yeah. You hadn't seen Black Cauldron. You hadn't seen Oliver and Company. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you like the 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 Grey Mouse Detective. I had no memory of or didn't see. I mean, that ended up being number five. The fact that the Fox and the Hound, the movie that I knew of, but I couldn't tell you what happened in it, is my number three. Like a movie that I don't know if I I cannot remember ever actually seeing mm-hmm. made it so high on my list when it should have been in theory if it's if it was just movies that i've seen mm-hmm. winnie the pooh should have been up there or even like oh i don't know actually yeah winnie the pooh but should have been <laughs> should have been in that place not not the fox and the hound this was a strange chunk of films so the the 10 that we just watched stretched from how many we went over a decade and a half between these films right because right? we ended up in 1991 with beauty and the beast yeah but then our first one which was robin hood was 73 yeah 73 to 91 so almost Nin- 20 almost years 20 years of film here it was a it was a we've we've learned a lot on this oh, discussing yes. the katzenberg and eisner coming in how they affected the the change in film the competition. And just the change in film in general. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, animation. The the competition that Don Bluth and his his exodus from Disney, what that did to Disney itself, the other studios coming up and starting to challenge Disney right. played a part in the success and failures of some of these movies. It wasn't it, this was a really interesting era of movies. What we're what we're moving into next with the with the the end of the Renaissance into what many can call the second dark ages 
I, it, I'm trying to think what we start. We start with Aladdin and then we end with Emperor's uh, New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. So we're nine we're, years is all that we cover for these next ten movies. It's a, in a it's tight a space. Very tight space. We won't hit the second Dark Ages then until until another another chunk of films. Now, Looks like that's what starts off the next. Yeah, it's. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think it is the list afterwards. <laughs> So this was a really interesting era of film to go back to these movies to watch the evolution change over the course of these ten films mm-hmm. was was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Now, now my list I, I had Black Cauldron at ten, Oliver and Company at nine, and and I shared my disappointment in both of those films because Black Cauldron I can see the potential and it's just squandered. Yep. Uh, Oliver and Company I can see all of the the wrong ideas being executed. Uh, rescuers being uh, a little too dated, but still having so there's still some good in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think really Oliver and Company and Black Cauldron are the only two movies I could say I I just don't like them. Right, and and it's it's hard to find. I, Why should I worry? I mean that's great. It's a but great song. Beyond that, um, Fox and the Hound being my number f- uh, f- number seven. six. Oh, uh, ten nine eight. It's number seven. Yeah, Fox <laughs> and the Hound being my number seven and. The, the effectiveness of that film, how how heart wrenching it is, yeah. like uh, Rescuers Down Under going up next, then Robin Hood being such a, a movie I have so much fun with. I really love and appreciate um, the commitment to telling a story with with animals, strictly animals, which Thomas and I had a little conversation about on the Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, in a comment section about Rescuers Down Under last week being that confusing who can talk and who can't, right, right. Uh, Great Mouse Detective being my number three in being this wonderful introduction into oh number four. I know I was doing the same thing when I was reading mine off because I'm like wait 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 because the numbering Cause I haven't slipped in yet. Uh, uh, Great Mouse Detective being my number four. There you go. And being this wonderful introduction into uh, Sherlock Holmes, Winnie the Pooh being my number three. Oh, and now you surprised me. I was actually expecting you to put Beauty and the Beast at number three. Okay, so. Here, here. You put it at number two, right? Come on. <laughs> so Beauty and the Beast versus Little Mermaid. Yeah, I know is you. one of the hardest. <laughs> this was a hard matchup, but when I when I re- and it it really could have played played a difference in the fact that this week we watched them separately. Right. Whereas with Little Mermaid, we sat next to each other. We enjoyed the movie in silence. That's <laughs> true. And maybe my my energy in watching the film might have been a little different had I been sitting next to you, but. Little Mermaid gave me chills mm-hmm. from the minute that first pluck of the notes happened. Um, the 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 songs themselves, "Kiss the Girl" and and uh, "Under the Sea" and "Part of Your World." Like I honestly, everything I I, I love both these movies oh, yeah. equally for different reasons. Mm-hmm. If if somehow there's some sort of alchemy out there that could take all the best parts of Little Mermaid and all the best parts of Beauty and the Beast. Taking the characterization of the villain of Gaston and the beautiful animation and villainy of Ursula and putting them together, of taking Prince Eric's heart and mashing it with with Beast's uh, struggle and his character arc, of taking the the passion of Ariel. Ariel's part of your world alone just sets her apart from any Disney princess we've seen this part at this point, but mashing it with the intelligence of bell there's so much good in both of these but when it came down to it little mermaid beats out beauty and the beast so again we only have one movie as a matching number one with pinocchio (laughs) but this was a really really hard decision for me to make and you know what you're you you brought up a good point because i will agree in the sense that 
I loved Little Mermaid. I really did. And it sounds to me like you love Little Mermaid the same way I love Beauty and the Beast. Like, that's kind of what I'm getting out of it. And I knew that by sitting watching Little Mermaid with you. In this section of films, Mm -hmm. yes. Little Mermaid does affect me in how Beauty and the Beast affects you. And it's... So what you're saying is what we actually need is we need the movie... Uh, Mermaid and the Beast. Mer- Mermaid and the Beast. Yeah. That's what we want. We want Mermaid and the Beast. <laughs> or the Little Beauty. No, oh, wait, that sounds really, mm, really misogynist. That's, that's weird. Mer- Mermaid and the Beast. Mermaid weird. and the Beast. <laughs> but, no, I don't want that. For the love of God, <laughs> nobody make that movie. I'm not asking for that. It does feel like polar opposites, though. It feels to me, because obviously Belle wants out of the world that she's in. So does so does Ariel, though. Yeah, yeah. But Ariel wants to be human. Belle just wants to be gone. She just wants it's, to get out. It's the, the level of naivete versus the level of maturity that... Right. Belle brings. Belle is taking care of her father. Uh, Ariel is a is a sixteen year old girl just dreaming of the world. Right, and I do definitely picture Ariel being. Or sorry, I, I picture Belle being 20, 21. I picture her being around. Quick Google right now. It says how old is Belle in Beauty and the Beast? Good point, actually. <laughs> but she's definitely. I do not picture Belle as a teenager. No, she's no. never come across to me as a teenager because she feels mature. She's smart. She feels. She feels to me actually like she'd be out of college. Like if we're if we're looking at it modern days. I, she sound, She seems to be like she would be around again. Going with the whole, if uh, if Adam was or if the Beast was going to be twenty one years old when mm-hmm, he when mm-hmm. he out, like ah uh, yeah, I picture them being adults. There you go. So uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh well, they now according to Disney Wikipedia, they mm-hmm. have it marked as seventeen. Really? But but seventeen out of the French Revolution, that's like twenty five. That's true. That's true. <laughs> she only had like another two years of her life anyways before she was gonna probably get killed. Yeah. Um that's a happy little thought, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, okay, great guys. Thanks, Jeff, for bringing cholera. up Cholera was a hell of a thing. Oh right? man, you know what? It took down a lot of people. So uh, this, 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 it was a really tough choice to put Little Mermaid over Beauty and the Beast because I can genuinely see the greatness of Beauty and the Beast. There's no denying the greatness mm-hmm. of Beauty and the Beast, but when it comes down to how it affects me, there's just something so much more joyful to me. Just in, in Little Mermaid, I am affected by it just that much more. And I will say the same for Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast. compared to Little Mermaid. Like it's it's we and we've had it before. Where like we get movies that are like, oh, it's so close, so close. because this these two movies are so fantastic. But this one just edged over a little bit more. Yeah. That was definitely this case. I wanted to say Beauty and the Beast just so that we had. A matched, <laughs> another matched pairing, but I, I would be, it would be dishonest of me to say that. So it, it was. It's just gonna make our final episode where we talk about all these movies that much more interesting much because then it's because <laughs> then it's just not. Well, here's the movies that we absolutely agreed on no, every single go, time. We gotta go tournament style, like tournament to tournament, because like my number ones versus and your number ones is gonna be a different head to head match. That's very true. <laughs> oh man, but. So, yeah, good. Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious to see what the listeners have to say when we post this episode. What are your reactions to a lot of the stuff we've said here? But also, where 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 do you land? Where What's your number one movie? How do you rank this set of ten that we just watched? Because you guys had a lot to say in our in our comments, in our twi- in the uh, the tweets. You guys had a lot to say about this run of movies. I do think that is because we're getting more and we're getting closer and closer to the movies we all grew up. With. Yep, we're. we're we're, we we're, are smack dab in the middle of them right now. Yeah, yeah. Now that we got past the rescuers done under, this next couple are just yeah. That's the movies I watched when I was growing up. Yeah, I think it. I think from this point on, I have seen every one of these movies in theaters. I could be wrong because I have to think about that and 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 as we come up on them. But I think I've seen every single one from this point on in theaters. And unfortunately <laughs> for me, not so much. Uh, and there's actually a handful of them I've never seen. That, that is more exciting to me because it's going to offer some. Interesting conversation. I'm, I'm excited to see, and I'm not going to lie, 
I'm excited to watch them. Like I, it's not like there's nothing I'm dreading because mm-hmm. I'm really curious now that we're now that we're we're over the hump yeah. of the movies that we have. There's only 56 of these that we're that we're watching total uh, for this for this run as of now. Uh, we're over the halfway point with mm-hmm. 30 being Beauty and the Beast. There's still so many more that are coming that I'm like I've never seen these and I'm really excited to see what's coming, knowing from where we've there, where we've been. There are a bunch coming up that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to discuss, both for good and bad. Um, the, you, get, you guys can take a look. If you go to Wikipedia, you're going Wiki, uh, Wikipedia, to look up the Disney Animation Studios and look up that specific grouping of 56 yep. films. I believe the link's on the Facebook yep. page. There's a dedica- and there's also a dedicated Wikipedia page for list of Walt Disney Animation Studios films, and yes. that is the list we have been going off of. Yeah. Uh, so take a, take a look at what's coming up here. Typically, we don't, we don't specifically tell you what's coming except what's coming next week. Right. Which is... Which is the 1992 classic. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. TC, this might be my number one movie as of next week. Uh, <laughs> not of the next list. Because it will be. Uh, mm, this... Aladdin is this, our next movie, guys. Yes. So I didn't actually Al- say the title, sorry. Aladdin, yes. I am... Now, oh, man. It, your Beauty and the Beast, though I was saying uh, Little Mermaid is my Beauty and the Beast for this section, Aladdin is my Beauty and the Beast. So okay. this, this is going to be tough, uh, a tough, a tough run of films because this next ten has some really good ones in it. And st- kicking off with Aladdin, we have some fun to be had. We have a lot of fun to be had. And to end the ten, because I, I, I cheated, I looked yeah, ahead. Well, yeah. I, I know what the last one of the next ten is going to be, and that's why I'm saying Aladdin is my number one, obviously, next week, but might not be my number one by the, the time we get to this list, guys. We'll be, see- we'll be seeing what you have to say about it, because... Because there's a good chunk of these that I've never seen. I have never seen Hunchback. Oh, really? I've never seen Mulan. Really? Yeah. Okay. I know them. I know oh, songs man. from them. I've never seen them, because that was the... Pocahontas was kind of the end of my Disney animation watching. Yeah. Like, my Disney movie watching for years. Mm-hmm. And, like, for a good seven eight years until even so the last movie on this list i didn't see for years after it came out um but uh, and i've never seen them so i'm really curious to see how much i enjoy these yeah. movies coming up particularly because of that now now we we are going to be ending katzenberg's run and the renaissance will come to an end in this next bit of films mm-hmm. and there's going to be a, um, a really there's going to be some effects on the films to follow so there's some fun stories to be told about the results and the effects that some of these movies have had mm-hmm. on movies that follow. So I'm really looking forward to discussing some of the history of the Disney uh, animated films through this next chunk and into the into the chunk beyond. <laughs> and continuing to see where these movies go because now we're we're entering the era of obviously we've had a lot of CG in these films that it, it was it was definitely used in Beauty and the Beast not to the extent that it's been used and in previous like obviously Rescuers and 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 those types of yeah, films. Yeah. But we're entering the era where CG films are starting to become a thing especially once we hit like Lion King era mid 90s and you can I I feel like We'll start to see the effect of hey, there's other movies out there now. Yeah, granted, being made by Disney still, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm we're getting into a new era of filmmaking, a new era of just animation, and it's I'm curious to see how that might affect what's going to come as yeah. we go. 
So that's mm. that, that's that's uh, that's in that's in our future then. So thank you everyone for listening. This was this was a fun episode. I actually thought we were going to go a little bit longer. This is a bit longer than we've done. The- True, but TC, yeah. we are only two minutes shy of the uh, the running length of the special edition of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so so now everybody sit back and enjoy me singing the entire uh, discography, or not discography, the entire soundtrack to Beauty and the Beast, okay, so you, starting with the opening You go song. ahead and start. I'll do our outro. So, so. once upon a time. So uh, if you want to hit us up on facebook.com slash topshelfpod, again, you can comment there. You can message us there. You can also hit up me on Twitter <laughs> at TC's Big Head. I couldn't keep it going. Sorry. Jeff at Random Bell. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Jeff. everybody. This is great. So, uh, uh, thanks, thanks for having me on again. Yes, thanks for coming, TC. And uh, it's uh, I, I, we don't, I don't think next week we'll be in the same room again. I am, I'm once again hitting the road. Yep. I'm heading back out west. But so hey, is... it's been it's been three weeks of you being here. So after this, we'll go back to our old fashioned ways of doing it over the internet and trying not to be affected by the delay. Exactly. <laughs> None of you knew there was a delay, did you? Unless we pointed it out, which we always pointed we, it out. We should stop doing that. We probably should stop pointing it out. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you again, TC. Thank you, I am TC. This is Jeff across. Yo, yo. Jeff Bell. Yep, TC. And, We're not going to uh, be able to do that again. And TC, <laughs> do the sign off. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you guys next time. This is the sign off. Uh, it's true, LeFou. <laughs> and I got my sights set on that one. The inventor's daughter? She's the one. The, but, the lucky girl I'm going to marry. But she's... The most beautiful girl in town. That makes her the best. Yes. And don't I deserve the best? This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.